Today's episode is brought to you by Forge to Table. Forge to Table offers handmade Japanese-style knives at an affordable price. Forge to Table was started by JWU alumnus Noah Rosen in the pursuit of the perfect knife for culinary students, home cooks, and chefs alike. Their flagship blade, the 8-inch Gyo 2 Chef's Knife, is a cult favorite among professional kitchens. Matt, I know you love this knife as well. Uh, I do. And I also, you know, besides the knives, which are awesome, one of their uh, best products, which I think is just fantastic, is their uh, sharpening stone. It's actually like a complete sharpening system. And and, and what I mean by that is that it not only has two two sides, one for sharpening your knife and one for maybe uh, re-honing it if it just kind of gets a little dull. But the accessories to this are really what makes it uh, a superior product. They have a flattening stone in here, which, you know, what is that? It's actually a piece that you can use to run over over the stone to keep it from curving, which, you know, really prolongs the life. And the most important thing here is it has these guides that are going to come. There's a large and a small one that keep your knife at the exact right angle every pass. And I think that that's one of the areas that people first really getting into sharpening knives fall into trouble with is maintaining that constant edge or that constant angle. This takes that out of the equation. It is a game changer in the knife sharpening world. Um, so pick this up to help sharpen the great knives that they make, although they don't really need much sharpening. Yeah. And as we all know, having a sharp knife makes all your work in the kitchen so much easier. So Forge Table knives are available in JWU's student store, or you can head over to their website, forgetable.com and use our code culinary now. That's all caps culinary now for 10% off your purchase. By the way, Forge Table wants me to tell all the listeners to... Have a knife day. Have a knife day. Welcome, everyone, to the Culinary Now podcast. I'm Matt Britt. And I'm Jamie Schick. And today on the pod, we have pastry chef, blogger, and cookbook author, Sora Klein. Sora is a professional pastry chef, dessert blogger, and cookbook author. In 2017, she started the dessert blog Sweet Sara, where she shares her favorite recipes so dessert lovers can easily recreate them at home. She has authored three books, Easy as Pie, Pies That Inspire, and most recently, Small Batch Baking. Sora, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So Matt and I are huge cookbook lovers, and I don't know, I'm sitting in front of all of my cookbooks, and Matt has a large collection as well, so we're super excited to have you on, and we really want to talk to you about your cookbook writing process, and I think we could just kind of start with how you got into starting to write books. Was it an extension of your blog, or how it all kind of came to be? Well, it's always been kind of a dream of mine. I'm also a really big cookbook collector. Um, I I think that I purchase a new one probably at least once a month, or if there's a, a new one in, in you know that I need to get. I have I don't even have room for my cookbooks anymore. But um, it's always yeah been a, a huge dream of mine to author my own cookbook because um, I started my blog to get recipes that I created out there. And what better way to do that than with a cookbook? So that's exactly why I started a blog. I thought that the book would be a little harder of a process. Um, a couple years after I started my blog, I actually got 
in contact with a publisher and um that's how I got my first publishing deal was uh because they they happened to see my blog and they liked my writing style so um that was just a really awesome opportunity and we just clicked I clicked with that publisher so well that we got a couple more books in the in the work so um yeah that's kind of how it all started but I just I truly love baking cooking in general and I'm always dreaming up new things to bake and something something new so I have to like let it out somewhere um but that's kind of how it all started. So Sora, can you talk a little bit about like your writing process? Like it, does it does it just all come to you in a dream or is there a formal process? Do you have like a little like legal pad that you write recipes down on? How do you get your ideas or where do they come from? How do you get them uh translated into what we know as as, as a cookbook? Uh, well, my ideas come from all over. Um, I I have like a notes folder in my phone or I have a, a little notebook usually in my kitchen somewhere that I'm jotting down ideas to like, for example, like in my professional life, I'm a, I'm a pastry chef and I do plated desserts all the time. And so I'm trying to like, oh, uh, you know, these these two flavors could go together. I'm going to write that down. And then in, in like a couple of days, I'll think of what textures those flavors should be. And then a couple of days after that, I'll think of, you know, like how they should be positioned on the plate. And so I just keep adding to my notes, basically. And the same thing goes for my writing process for a cookbook is that I kind of just start with an outline of what I want to create. And for, you know, two of, two of the books are pies. And so, you know, you break that down into nutty pies, chocolate pies, fruit pies. And so basically just going off of what I like and how to make that more interesting than your typical cherry pie or something. So that's kind of just how I start. And then I just keep reworking, editing, reworking, and and then we start baking. <laughs> so one thing that I think is really awesome about your books, and as you know, I have two of them and I've been baking from them and kind of creating my own little plated desserts on the side with with using <laughs> your recipes as my main item. And the awesome thing is all the recipes they that I've tried, they work, which is like amazing because there are books where the recipes don't turn out. So how many times do you generally like test mm-hmm. your recipe when you're before they go in the book, like when you're developing them? Uh, generally, I test about three times. It, if I'm having problems, obviously, sometimes like the dream that I have in my head doesn't translate as well to a recipe. But yeah, you I just want to make sure that it's easily done by the user. So I, I try to test it out at least a couple of times, you know, for, for stuff like the 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 uh, fruit pies have a lot more. Um, they're, they're kind of they're kind of following a, a different guide. So let's say like, uh, basically, all fruit pies will have mostly the same amount of cornstarch or, or thicker thickening agent in it. So it's a little easier, maybe once or twice for those ones. But but definitely if it's something a little more unique, we want to test it out a couple more times. And then and then the publisher also will test them out. Interesting. So you, you, know, you talked about, you know, unique recipes. And I mean, I know that your books, you do you know, touch on the classics and, and, and you really don't disappoint in that sense. But you also don't shy away from some unique flavor combinations. Like I know you have a, a chocolate chip potato pie. And I think that there's opportunity for those reading your books to understand that like you can go outside the pie shell or the pie 
plate, I guess you will. What's your inspiration and like, do you support like people really reinventing the wheel with pies? I mean, do you support that level of creativity? Obviously you write about it, but. Absolutely. I mean, um, in general, when I'm, when I'm trying to, if I'm going to a restaurant or something and I, I see their dessert menu, I'm going to pick the weirdest thing to get because I want to try that person's, you know, like, I want to see what they're, what, what they're talking about, you know, like I want to try what the, what's in their head. And so I like to, to stretch the boundaries that way as well, because that's how I, that's just my, my cooking style in general. Of course, I, I do these traditional ones as well, just to have like a, a good balance because not everybody wants the weird, you know, menu item on or at a restaurant. So, um, I, I try to, I try to push the boundaries, just just make it a little, uh, not too weird at sometimes, but, um, but truly my style is a unique flavor combinations. And I like to present that into the book. Yeah. I, that's one of the things that I immediately gravitated towards in both of them was when I was looking through the recipes, the things I wanted to make first were the ones that were a little bit, a little bit like unique, the interesting flavor combinations, because that's, that's what I also gravitate to on a menu or in a book or at an ice cream shop, wherever it is. Like, that's what I also want to experience. And I think, right. um, as Matt was kind of alluding to, you do a great job of bridging the interesting flavor combinations with recipes that people are comfortable with and step-by-step instructions and tips that will make them feel successful at home. So was that like in the back of your mind as you were writing that you were kind of writing for the home cook and not necessarily the professional chef baking at home? Uh, Definitely. I mean, for the first book, Easy as Pie, that one is geared a lot more to um, home bakers and and people, you know, that are just getting into baking or people that have been baking, you know, forever. But the second one, Pies That Inspire, I was trying to really reach that person that has a an expert kind of, well, intermediate baking experience. And so I thought that these pies would kind of reach that crowd better, you know, and, and I, and I really wanted to, to make enough pies for both worlds, you know, cause there's still, there's still a good amount of traditional pies in the second one as well. But, but yeah, I'm trying to, to be able, I'm trying to reach those that can't, you know, don't have that much experience in addition to the ones that have more experience and make it as easy as for, for both parties. To make it as easy as pie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so when, you talk, when you talk about reach, I mean, I, I do think that you have the stage to reach a lot of people and to provide influence in what they're, uh, you know, they consider an appropriate dessert combination flavor profile, if you will. You know, I know you said that you like to explore unique flavor combinations, but not go too far off the deep end. You know, I I think about one of my favorite um, sort of weird, like, I guess, weird to Americans flavor combination with desserts is, is like licorice ice cream. I think it is such an amazing sort of like combo to have that sweet and also that anise. And I think that that really is something that's most Americans comfort zone. Are there any sort of kind of weird flavor combinations that you feel are, are must tries for people that maybe they don't know about? Um, you know, one of my favorite ones that I, I learned is too weird for, for the demographic that I was trying to reach. Let me just tell you a story. When <laughs> a couple years ago, 
I I tried to put a chocolate uh, with smoked ice cream uh, dish on my menu, and it just did not go over really well with the demographic that comes to my restaurant. So I learned quickly, like it can push it, but not just, you have to play to the crowd. So yeah, I mean, they're, they're, the, the combination that I really like is, is like a smoked um, ancho or something along those lines with chocolate and also cream and pistachio like that. That one I really liked, but a lot of people didn't. So uh, yeah, that's kind of when I learned to to kind of edit. Yeah, I can definitely, definitely relate to that 100% um, with it not always, not always going over well uh, with the crowd. I do want to switch just a little bit and talk about the the photography in your books, because the pictures are really, really beautiful. And they're very fun and color coordinated. Um, and I know that you worked with some photographers on the pictures for the books. Did you do the food styling for the pictures? Uh, no, actually, with all of the food photography for these books um, was done by my publisher's company, Kalista Media. I, uh, I actually didn't work. We're actually not even in the same state. So everything that has been done through computers and, and you know, so they, they took care of all the photography themselves. I do all the photography and food styling for my blog my Instagram and stuff like that. But, but they, they were, you know, they have a great team and they put it together for the book. Do you enjoy doing the photography for your site and um, for your Instagram content? Is that like the, a part that you also, that creative outlet that you also enjoy doing? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I, I do like to, to mess around. I, I would say I'm an amateur food stylist photographer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it really like, you know, I kind of know what I'm talking about, but I, I just get, try to get good lighting and really that's all it is. I, I think that you're, you're selling yourself a little short. Your photos are, are beautiful. You know, again, I go back to your influence and I think that, you know, the books that you've put out, like, you know, the first, you know, two, they're clearly centered around pies. Um, but I feel like you do more than just pies. I, is there any, element of the cookbook world. I mean, I know you said you collect a lot of books that you feel is an underrepresented category that, you know, might, you know, not to be a spoiler, might be on the on the horizon for you. Are you are you going to write a book that's, you know, kind of on, on, on a different topic that you feel needs to be tackled? Well, um, actually, that's what why Small Batch came into play. So when the pandemic hit, I, I initially, I reached out to them right away and I was like, let's do a small batch book because, you know, who knows how long we're going to be locked down like this. And at the time we couldn't even get bread in the grocery store. So that I think is a really cool topic that I want to explore more and possibly do further books in that subject, because I think that, I mean, for home bakers, at least it's, it's so beneficial. I mean, I've already sold close to 1500 copies and it's only been out for maybe like a month and a half. So it's really a great topic that I want to continue on. So that that's kind of the direction I think we should, we should go in. Yeah. I love that concept of that book because I, it's just me and my husband at home and I don't always want to have like extra like baked goods lying around because I will just eat them. So being able to really make the these small amounts that are really easy to 
eat and then be done. And you don't have to worry about freezing them, especially if you live in an apartment like I do. We have a small freezer. I don't have right. tons of space to just store all of my cookie dough uh, mm-hmm. away in the freezer. Right. So I think that's that's a genius concept to do everything in those in those super small batches. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I um, I agree. I mean, for for my kitchen, I always have the the brown butter chocolate chip cookies and uh, almond butter cookies stocked in my freezer because for that reason, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny you, you mentioned the small batch cookbook, and and, and I'm going to harp on one word right now. You said the, the small. I, I know you are expecting a child. Congratulations! And and, and we were chatting at the beginning, <laughs> at the beginning of the episode about how I have. I got my own gaggle of, of, of children. Um, <laughs> so w- what about a kid's cookbook? I mean, are, are, is that something you're going to explore maybe organically just in, in raising a, a child? I mean, are, are, are you starting to like, kind of like think about how you might, you know, do that better or do that differently than other, other people on cooking food for young, for young children? I was uh, thinking about doing a, a cookbook for children a couple of years ago. And at the time we weren't, you know, even thinking about children yet, but, um, but yeah, I, I think, I think in the future, I, I don't really know a lot about kids yet. So I think that teaching kids anything is going to be a challenge for me to learn already. And, and we'll get to cooking eventually, but yeah, I would love to, you know, do that with my child, you know, teach him how to cook and, and in turn, maybe I could help other kids cook too. And, and you know what's funny? I think you'll find that when you have a child, you have all this free time, so you can just explore that. Like, to, to, to the matter. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I've heard. Is like start a big project right when after you give birth. That's <laughs> what I should do. <laughs> yeah, we'll put that on the back burner. We we do have an audience that is largely um, culinary students. And some of them may aspire to want to one day write their own cookbook. So if you could, if you could, could you name a few tips, like maybe three or so tips for anyone who's thinking that they might want to go down this road of being a cookbook author? Some great tips. I mean, there's a couple ways to go about it. You know, you can pitch a really good idea to a couple, you know, research and find a couple of publishers and pitch a really good idea to them. You could you could go that route, you know, and and you might get a, a lot of negative feedback. You might not even hear back from them. But another route to go is is to do it yourself. Get a photographer, get a graphic designer, and get a distributor, basically to publish your book, self publish. You know, that's that's a huge trend these days. Is that you can easily self publish your own book. You know write out your outline. And, and I would, I would recommend working with an editor because they're very useful, super invaluable. I've worked with um, a couple great editors that, you know, they just make the words pop out better. And, and yeah, there, there's just, there's just so much you can do that route. Um, I know Jason Licker is a, is a self-publisher and, and his book has gone, you know, he's done really well. That's really interesting, and I think that that's a good tip that you don't have to go the more traditional route. You can you can do it yourself. I mean, this podcast we started, you know, very organically, just Jamie and myself, and I and I think that it does take a little bit more of a, of a grassroots like sort of like hood spot to get it going. But I think I think it's good advice for students that are looking to 
maybe go down that road. You know, I, I did want to talk to you just about, you know, cookbooks in general. You know, I, I, we all said that at the beginning that we own a bunch of cookbooks, probably too many for, for, for what's considered healthy. But either way, I, I, I've noticed a trend in cookbook writing. And, and I think you've, you do a great job flirting with both, you know, of these styles from, you know, what was a cookbook in the sort of old school recipe method, that's it, to this very philosophical kind of like up in the cloud version of a cookbook. Where is the sweet spot for that in, in, in your mind? Do you think, like, what's the balance? What's the ratio? Do you need that sort of, you know, sort of philosophy side of it? Or, or, or do you think cookbooks should be more just straightforward? I appreciate both. I mean, it, it again, it goes back to like who you're who you're trying to reach. You know, the home baker wants to learn all this extra stuff. So like you let's talk about let's talk about all the ingredients that you'll that that uses that you know, a pie use in a pie or all the tools and equipment or like let's talk about everything that goes into the pie before we start to make the pie. But then, you know, I I am also a professional pastry chef and I don't need all of that stuff all the time, so I appreciate both. But for me, I'm I'm trying to I'm not writing so much for a prof- professional pastry chef, so I want to make sure that's in my book um just because you want to you want to just make sure the reader knows everything there is to know before they start to bake, before they get into the recipes. Yeah, absolutely. That definitely blends a lot with what Matt and I do, which is teach. And I think that both of your books do a nice job at the beginning of teaching the reader about the ingredients or about um, the different pie doughs and or know how to make a lattice top pie. There's step-by-step instructions in there. And I think that's really beneficial. And it really provides that nice education piece that some books don't necessarily provide if they're gearing toward a different a different audience right so I, I, as we sort of come towards the end because i want to be re, we want to be respectful of your time you know i guess my question is and this is something i always i always want to know from people that that really specialize or or, or at least on the surface i know there's there's definitely as a, pro, a professional pastry chef like you, you can do anything in the kitchen but if i'm harping on pie you know i have to ask you know number one do you ever bake a cake? And if you do, um, what cake, you know, kind of goes against the grain, if you will, to uh, to outdo the pies in, in, in your world? I I do bake cakes. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny because like one of the cravings that I have more recently is just like a nice slice of my pregnancy cravings. One, a nice slice of like really good cake. I really like olive oil in cake. I really like olive oil chocolate cake or olive oil vanilla cake, you know, with with some lemon or something in it. So if I'm going for cake, I'm going for one of those. And if I like more, like more recently uh, don't feel like making a cake, I go for a mug cake, which is like a chocolate mug cake that takes 90 seconds. But yeah, I definitely love cake. <laughs> I love everything. So no discrimination dessert wise here. No, I was gonna, if, if you had said Eddie, Jamie would have jumped through the camera and, 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 and gone because that's her favorite. My last question, and, and, and I'm going to bring this back to pie because I mean, that is your first cookbook. <laughs> what do you feel is the quintessential American pie? And we've talked about this in our holiday. That's episodes a good one. 
That's a really good one. Um, the quintessential American pie, so not holiday, just like pie, cherry pie. I, I, w- I mean, I would have said, yeah, I would have said pumpkin, but then it's themed about it's around Thanksgiving. It's hard because like a really, really close second is apple pie, but I feel like cherry, it more encompasses the year and apple pie is more traditionally fall. So right. that's the only kicker. I would go with you on the apple pie uh, comment, but I have learned that in my in this <laughs> my opinion, the best way to have apple pie is with a slice of cheddar cheese on top. Is that blasphemous to you? Absolutely not. I mean, uh, I don't know if you know this, but one of my one of the pies in my first book, Easy Is Pie, is a Ameri- is an apple cheddar pie, and and it's, instead of putting like cheddar you know, slice next to it, I put the cheddar cheese in the crust. And so the crust is kind of like a cheese it tasting crust with this like sweet apple filling. It's really, it's really good. One of the best ones in that book, probably. And, and you know, what's funny is like, when, when you say like, and I do often too, like I'll equate really, really delicious things to sort of food items that are perceived to be like really cruddy, like a cheese it, like that's not you know, culinary, like, you know, uh, uh, goodness. <laughs> but if you can recreate that cheese it flavor, like you've done something right. You've done something right. So right. I, um, mm-hmm. I think I should buy your book, any book that you wrote, but especially easiest pie and cook that apple cheddar, because that sounds absolutely delicious. It's a good one. Yeah. And I know <laughs> Yeah, for me, the next, the next one I'm making is the blueberry corn pie with the caramel corn and the cornmeal crust. Um, that's on my summer um, summer yeah. to bake list. That so, that's Sarah, probably know, my favorite. Uh, no, no. So, Sarah, I, I know that uh, Jamie and I both uh, connect, connect with you on on Instagram. But for those listening, where can they follow you to to see all the amazing stuff that you do? Uh, you can follow me at Sweet Sarah on Instagram or sweetsara.com. Uh, is my dessert blog. All right, everyone, check it out. And uh, Sarah Klein, thank you again so much for joining us. And good luck with the little one and uh, happy baking. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again to Sora Klein for taking the time to join us today. And thanks, as always, to Maddie Burns, who does the music for the Culinary Now podcast. You can find us on all social media at Culinary Now Podcast. And we'd love you to feel you to send us some questions or notes via email at culinarynowpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. We really appreciate your feedback. We will talk to you soon. We're the brave and the bold. And we are.